Hey, how you doing? This is Justin Farr, I'm a seminary for the Diocese of Nashville, and welcome to the Nash Vocations Podcast. It's good to be with you uh, wherever you happen to be and whatever time of day it happens to be. So thank you for joining us today. And so today we not only have myself, Justin Farr, as your host, we also have... So my name is Brent. I'm a seminarian for Diocese of Nashville, and I am in third theology here at St. Minerad. But I am also uh, co-sponsored uh, with the Archdiocese of Military Services, and basically what that means is that I'm also part of the uh, the diocese that supplies uh, chaplains to the armed forces, and so I'm co-sponsored to, God willing, one day be a chaplain in the Air Force. Yeah, thank you for the introduction, Brent, and I uh, and, and just. Like uh, I forgot, like Brent, he's joining us for the first time in one of these podcast episodes. So we definitely wanted to give him enough time to um, like give him a, a good introduction so you can get to know him as well as you have got to as you have gotten to know some of us. So now we have Seth Reed. Y'all have uh, heard my voice before. And Oscar Romero. Also, I've been here before. And before we begin, I want to. Again, just give a little proviso about like where our location is and, and where we are uh, recording this podcast. We are recording it at St. Mondrad Seminary and School of Theology. And this is not only a seminary and a school of theology, but it's also a monastery. So, again, b- bells regularly go off on the hour, on the half hour, on the quarter hour. So, like, it's going to so you're going to hear you're going to hear hear some bells going on, going off and maybe hearing some uh, seminarians kind of coming in and out of their room and everything. So I get just to kind of give you a setting of where we are. And so today's topic is about prayer and we're going to be just having a nice round table discussion about prayer and, uh, especially given, given our uh, prayer from the perspective of seminarians. And so I think as we begin our talk about prayer, it, it, it's really helpful, helpful even to define what prayer is. Like, like any good uh, philosopher should. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it right there. And so, again, it's helpful to define our terms that we're going to be using to, to define what prayer is. Because, again, we throw that word around, but sometimes we got to take a step back and kind of figure out, okay, what is funda- what is fundamentally the thing that we're dealing with? And so I just want to kind of just open up the question to, to the guys here. Um, what is prayer? How would you define prayer? I mean, uh, one of the things I remember, I don't know what saint it was, but some saint said uh, it's lifting up our hearts and minds to God. I guess that would be kind of a basic definition of it. And isn't it's a, t- it's a time of relationship, a time to build relationship with the Lord, uh, a time for you to, from I think many of the saints have said it, uh, speak heart to heart. So it's a time for him to get to know your heart and for you to get hit no to get hit no yes. Yeah. Um just kind of going along with that, you know, what uh you're saying as far as relationships. Like in any relationship, like any relationship I have with, you know, any of you and my friends or family, you know, there has to be communi- you know, communication, which is that's key. So that's basically what, what prayer is, it's you know, communicating, you know, with God and 
in order to have that relationship with him, like that communication is, is, is needed. Oh yeah, definitely would agree with that. And especially communication is definitely key for any relationship, especially any relationship to work. There has to be communication, mm-hmm. has to be a, a, a genuine back and forth between one another. Now, again, y'all touched on this as y'all gave y'all descriptions of what prayer is. And so, but let's dive a little bit deeper and talk about, again, now that we know what prayer is, then the next question that comes to mind is, why exactly do we pray? And why exactly do we try to have this type of communication with someone that we can't see? I think even even for me as a person in the seminary and even those who maybe outside the seminary, you know, people in the parish, people, youth groups and stuff and other community members, um, it's a time to quiet yourself. I think for the most important thing, it's to quiet yourself, um, kind of block everything around you. And it's a, mo- it's a moment to spend where you have a, a dialogue not a dialogue with, uh, of course, you can have a dialogue with your parents, with your mom, with your friends, but this is more of an intimate uh, dialogue. Dialogue with, uh, and I think uh, many of the Desert Fathers have talked about it, it's with him who created us, with him who loves us, and I think uh, this time it's, we do this in order to know him and for him to know us. Yeah, and uh, I think Oscar makes a great point, but also too, just, I mean, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? I mean, if Jesus goes up on the mountain and prays by himself, why shouldn't we take his lead? Because he is what we're supposed to take our lead in everything. I mean, even Mary, she ponders all those things in our heart. So if Jesus does it and Mary does it, like, why aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a very good point to make. And very, like, put it white and simple. Like, if Jesus prayed and he gave that example of prayer, then we should definitely pray as well. And especially... Uh, Jesus having that relationship to the Father, he, in his divinity and humanity, went to pray uh, to the Father. Um, yeah, just one thing that I was thinking about, um, you know, when, when Christ, when he was, you know, in the garden and, you know, he, he found that the, the disciples were, you know, sleeping during this you know, the time when, you know, Christ was going through this really difficult time of, you know, just, you know, about to be crucified, um, you know, he basically told the apostles, you know, like, you know, couldn't you just, you know, watch with me one hour? Just basically saying, you know, kind of like calling us yeah, to that life of prayer. You know, can't you just kind of like going along with doing like a holy hour? Like, can't you just, you know, give me this one hour, you know, out of your day? All right, good. Like, uh, I think um, another thing I was thinking about as I was talking, um, um, especially in relationship to um, Jesus and his father, and he, Pray to pray to God. He he was God praying to God in a way. But of course, we understand in our in our understanding of Trinity is again Jesus is a distinct person from the Father. But yet he still prayed. Like I mean, uh, what do you guys think about the relationship that I mean? We think about uh, since we are imitators of Christ. Like, like can y'all like um, kind of do y'all have any thoughts on? Okay, since. We, we are called to have a relationship with the Father in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus had, when he was on earth, I mean, he, he eternally has a relationship with the Father. But when he became man, he, he, he 
continued in another way that relationship with the father he even had a different dy- added a different dynamic of his relationship to the father by being man can we like what are your thoughts about the type of prayer life that jesus had when he was in when he was praying to the father he's always going up to the mountain to pray by himself or he's always going off to another area by himself and he's secluding himself but at what points is that happening it's happening when a big decision has to be made he goes and prays before he chooses the 12 he goes and prays up on the mountain after he's exhausted, after he's multiplied the breads and the bread and the fish. So he's always praying after a big decision, or he's praying before a big decision, or he's praying after he's just exhausted. It's about that relationship. The father is the person who he goes to for his his rehabilitation, in a sense. Like maybe you go to your best friend, or maybe you go to your mom, or maybe you go to your dad. But Jesus went to his father. But that's always really confusing, isn't it? To try to like talk about Jesus, but he is God, but he's also man, so it's kind of confusing. So it's it's odd, but I think that's a really good question, Justin. It's but it's it's hard to talk about because it's so hard to think about. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to think about what you were just uh, what Seth was just you now touching on. You know, Christ. You know, he's he's human and he's divine, and basically, um, you no, know, he's showing us like through the scriptures that. Um, yeah, even though, like, and nothing was, you know, lost, you know, by him, you know, coming down like to this earth, you know, as in that, um, human form, but he's showing us uh, like as, as humans, yeah, we're, uh, we're called to pray to our creator, to, to our father. And he's, he's a great, you know, example of showing us yeah, how to pray. Cause this is the, the son of God doing this. And. There's one thing uh, I think Seth kind of talked about in regards to prayer in, in relationship to Jesus is that is that when he mentioned the that the issue of difficulty and and when there's difficulties in our lives we 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 want to pray to God and but just as the times themselves that we may be going through going through are difficult sometimes the very act of prayer itself can be difficult it's like we we face hard and tough times and then we were brought to our very knees or we or or the pastor at church says oh we need to pray or we hear thing or we hear somebody said we need to pray we pray and we need to we need to pray but okay then that naturally sparks up the question of how exactly does one pray? And if I don't know how to pray, how do I go about doing that? You know, Justin, before we get into that, just I want to make a point too that we often come to God when we have trouble, but that shouldn't be the only time that we come to God. And for and we don't want to be the type of Christian that does do that where something's going bad. And that's when we turn to God. But when everything's good and happy, we don't ever talk to God at all. As Christians, as Catholics, we need to always pray, as St. Paul says. And in the Psalms, I pray seven times a day. So, like, don't think that, oh, yeah, I only pray when something bad happens. No, we should be praying constantly in good times and bad times with thanksgiving and with petitions. And I think this ties up with um, how to pray, too, uh, because, I mean, of course, when when you have a when you're in trouble, you come and the first thing you might want to think of it. Oh yeah, maybe I should pray. But I think even coming from our our Catholic tradition, where we have many saints who show us how to have a conversation with God, uh, and many of them say, you know, any any time you wake up, 
just give thanks to God that you that you are that you're waking up. The give God your day, that the day that you're gonna have. Uh, when you go to sleep, give thanks to God for what He has given you. And it's gonna be sometimes even if you're not uh, if you don't know how to pray, uh, maybe just start with you know thank you God, thank you for allowing me to to start another day. Hope I hope that you stay with me throughout the day. And whatever good I do, I want to give it to you. And again, at night, you know, you can say, you know, thank you, God, for having for giving me an, another day. And may God, may, may I follow your will another day. Just as simple as that. It's, and it has, it does, you don't have to be in trouble in order to go and pray to the Father. Mm-hmm. I think also, too, is that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that, you know, those listening to this podcast are probably discerning a call to the priesthood or thinking about doing so, or you may be discerning a call to religious life, or you may even just be a mom or dad listening to this, or you could just be some random Joe off the street. I don't know, but you're probably listening to this for some reason because you're probably thinking about seminary or religious life. So don't be afraid. Like, I don't know how to pray. I, I can't go. Like I need to learn how to pray before I can go. No, that's, that's not true at all. When you get to seminary, when you get to your religious order or, or whatever, when you get a spiritual director, which we'll talk about later, but when you get to that point, they will help you learn how to pray. And that's something that's very important is that everybody prays differently. Like Oscar's saying, like you begin small and then you work your way up. Like nobody's going to come off as John of the Cross or Teresa of Avila or Therese of Lisieux. Like that's just not going to happen. You're not going to go into the chapel one day. All right, Jesus, I'm here, baby. Let's go. Me and you, where I'm going to have some divine revelations and we're going to get it on, man. We're going to start talking and stuff like it's going to be great. It's going to be like Teresa of Avila in the heart and arrow. And it's going to be awesome. No, that's not going to happen. Like most of the time when you pray, like it's silence from God and from you. And then other times, like it's great. It's a real conversation. And it takes times and patient. That's the most important thing uh, that you have the time. And even when you don't have the time, even if you're running around, just have a little patient, create your own time where you say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to stay quiet and hopefully I get a chance to, to speak with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have uh, touched, touched upon some, some key things. I think that, uh, and even for me, um, before I came to the diocese of Nashville, I was a uh, religious, I was in a uh, religious order. And um, so, and they, kind of have like their own, in some sense, um, charism and, um, and, and how they pray. Uh, so like, for example, I, I remember like when I first entered, um, the order that I was with, um, they're very Ignatian in their spirituality and I hated an Ignatian spirituality. I mean, I can't say, I mean, that's a strong word, but you I just re- liked it a lot. <laughs> I loved it. Um, you I just so- said you didn't. <laughs> You're but, a man uh, of duplicity, Prince. <laughs> um, but I, I remember right before I took my um, uh, first vows, um, I uh, we had to do a retreat, and it was Ignatian style retreat, and that was our first um, Ignatian type style retreat. Uh, well, it was mine as a Marian, and I'll still never forget that retreat to this day because that was probably. The, but going into it, I didn't have the greatest um, attitude. Um, but afterwards, that was, you know, God had a sense of humor. That was probably one of the best retreats, you know, I've, I've ever been on. It was a huge blessing. So, yeah, there's different um, people pray differently. I actually learned that, you know, I like the Ignatian type style of praying, but there's different 
different types of, you know, using um, um, prayers and scripture. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, Oscar and Seth touched on a very important part that prayer, prayer is not just us saying stuff to God, but that a big component, in fact, the spiritual writers like the, the, like the, the, some, like the most uh, mystical of the saints, when the saints describe the heights of the spiritual life and the, and the, and the progressive levels of prayer, things get a little bit silent when mm-hmm. it comes to progressing those higher um, steps of prayer and that vocal prayer, us just saying things to one another, like thus just vocalizing is that is, is actually at the lower end of prayer. And so, um, silence is not a bad thing. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like uh, I think it'd be helpful to say, silence is not a bad thing. When you come to God and maybe you don't know what to say, maybe that's maybe that's part of it is yep. that you just allow yourself to simply be with God and and um, you know keep you know, wait, uh, Oscar. Well, for for the Hispanic culture and the in the, in the Spanish language, uh, the word for prayer means uh, oración which means uh, a, almost a conversation, which uh, now that, you're, that we're talking about it, uh, sometimes you don't have the words that, that you might want to express, but maybe this is, that was, that's not your time to speak. Maybe it's your, your time to listen. Maybe it's the time where you have to just, uh, I know sometimes we, we want to talk all the time, but that's when sometimes we have to, we need to work a little bit more patience with ourselves and you know and say you know what i need to probably start start listening to other people maybe start listening to the lord and start and stop doing the the conversation and start stop doing the oracion which is the the words yeah like one of my favorite types of way to pray is uh lexio divina and that has about five steps i don't know what they all are but basically you read the scriptures you read it again, and then something sticks out to you that maybe is just your own insanity, or maybe it's the Holy Spirit moving you towards that particular word or that phrase or that scripture passage. But then you stop and you talk to God about it, and you kind of let your mind wander and go into a particular area. God's leading you, or maybe he's not, but hopefully we, we think it's God. We, we hope it's God that it's leading us in this. But eventually, after you get through doing that, you don't have anything else to say. So what do you do? You sit in the silence, and you let God work on you, and you trust in God that Maybe he's going to talk to you in a whispering of the wind, or maybe it's just going to be complete silence and he's just healing you and he's just loving you in that moment. And you've done all you need to do. And for the next five, 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes, you just sit there in silence. And maybe every now and then when your mind starts to wonder, you go back to your scripture and like, okay, I'm going to repeat this phrase just for a little bit. So I'm not thinking about what's for dinner or how bad I have to go to the bathroom or whatever. And I think there is, I don't know, talking about all the different like Teresa of Avila and Teresa of Lisieux. I think there is a certain sense of fear um, when guys, like if they don't know how to pray and they think about the lives of the saints and their life of prayer, um, they think, yeah, that saint had an intense um, prayer life. So I think in some ways, if someone is comparing um, themselves to another person, like say as uh, a saint, um, that can be a cause for discouragement and which obviously, you know, we don't want to be, you know, discouraged and we shouldn't compare ourselves, you know, to others. You know, my sister has a saying, you know, you know, compare despair. Um, 
that's something we shouldn't do. But I think that's also it's a temptation for us to think that in some sense, in order to start to have a life of prayer, we already need to be holy. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's a huge um, temptation for people today when they think about, yeah, these great saints who had these um, really close relationships with God. And I think, you know, even now having the saints um, in our conversation, I think we have to understand that everyone started in the with the basics, which is the basics, which is just starting just to acknowledge that God is in your life. Um, in even Teresa of Avila says, you know, you need to go into the interior castle. And in order to do that, you need to start at least to pray. Then after that, and, and uh, Teresa of Avila, she, she wrote this book for her uh, religious sisters. And, and even uh, Teresa Lisieux, the little way, start with the small stuff. Uh, don't, I mean, of course, who doesn't want to be uh, St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Lisieux, but... Uh, you know, in order to work, you need to put the work to it. You need to have to build a good habit. Um, and that actually takes uh, a lot of work and a lot of patience. Um, but always start with whatever you can and then move to something bigger. Um, and of course, it, it might take time. It takes probably a couple of years. Um, but just continuing, continuing. And building good habits, a, a good, ha- you know, praying, it's a good habit to have. Um, I think that's something that we need to start building up upon ourselves. Even if I'm deciding to enter seminary, even if I decide not to enter seminary, I think just the fact that you're doing prayer, it's a good habit. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, the work that that it takes, like the, like the effort that it takes to have a life of prayer and to... Uh, have uh, to be with God in that prayer. And uh, there's a lot of parallels between just us being like, like it's, it's kind of the same thing of us having a relationship with, with anybody else. Um, and I think we can have the tendency of bracketing God in the sense that we, we, we have a relationship. Here's our relationships with every other person. And by person, I mean a human being. Here's our relationship with human beings. Here's our relationship. And then on one side, then on the other side, here is our relationship with God. And, and, and we can kind of hold, hold each other, hold both of those a- aspects off in a distance to where we don't see the parallels that are between the two. And there's got to be parallels between the two, because whether you're talking to human beings or whether you're talking to God, you're talking to persons and within, and God himself is personhood. He is what it means to be a person. So there's going to be necessary reflections of God and within our relationship with other persons because God is in himself what it means to be person in his triune unity of persons. And so, um, but of course there's a deep connection between each other, like between the two. And what are some parallels between the, that you can think of between building a relationship with God and building a relationship with, with other human beings. I think like 
a good analogy is like, say I get married, some woman, and like, you know, I only ever talk to her when I'm having a bad day. I don't ever talk to her for any other reason except when I'm having a bad day. That'd be like a good analogy. <laughs> like, yeah, like, honey, yeah, I don't really care about you right now. I'm just, I'm having a great day right now, but yeah, I don't need to talk to you. Oh no, honey, it was, it was a terrible day. So let's, let's sit down and talk for about an hour and then I'll be done with you. I don't ever have to talk to you again until the next bad day happens. For me, one of the great examples right now that comes to my mind is in Gertrude. Um, and if you always see an image of her, uh, you will always find the description. If you're looking for me, you'll find me in her heart. And I think we don't have to create a parallel. We have to create a, un a unity. I mean, when we see our parents, we see we have to see that God is there. When we see ourselves, we have to see that God is present. When we see our formators, our teachers, uh, everyone that we meet, God is there. And I think we, and I, it might be a little bit hard to understand, but God is present with us every day, uh, with everyone whom we meet, with everyone who we love. And sometimes God will only speak to you through another person. Like you can be going through a really, really bad day and you can sit in the chapel or the church for like an hour and nothing happens. It's just dry. But then you walk outside and you see somebody and you start talking to them about something mundane and they just give you a smile that just brightens up everything. I mean, that's God speaking to you through that person. Or you could go home and like you've been in the chapel praying for an hour and nothing's happened. And then you go home and somebody says, oh, hey, you look a little down. Let's talk about it. Like that's God in a way speaking to you through that person. Like God's going, hey, man, like I know you're not said anything in the chapel, but I'm talking to you right now. So pay attention. And I think a great uh, example of a saint you know, here just uh, referring to as far as, you know, seeing God in people, if you think about uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, that's where she found her vocation to start the order. Um, she, she started the uh, Missionaries of Charity. Because um, before that, she was in a different order in, um, in India. And, uh, you know, she just saw this, the suffering in Calcutta. And just through those people, she saw the suffering Christ and she wanted to alleviate the sufferings of the people in order um, to console them. Um, and she did, you know, great work. And you think about also mother Teresa, she had what's called um, a very dry, um, like dark night of the soul, which we found out, um, I forget, not too long ago um, for like 40 years and look at the great work, you know, that she did, during those 40 years where she felt that what basically she did not sense like the, um, you know, God in her, like in her prayer life, but look at the great things that she did. Like, you know, she persevered, you know, through that, um, you know, she was able to, you know, to trust God, you know, in that process. And like, she's a great living saint. And I think even St. Francis uh, puts it very well in that prayer that probably everyone knows, you know, make me a channel of your peace. I think even the fact that you have to be the person who, okay, you pray for things, but pray for yourself too. Pray that you may be, that you may bring the presence of God to everyone who you meet. Yeah, and and I think this that that segues into like one kind of big thing with prayer that I think needs to in any conversation about prayer needs to be talked about is that there are some practical issues with prayer, and one of those practical issues with prayer is when we try to pray, we're often distracted. 
what do we do when we pray and we're thinking about what we're going to have for dinner or we're thinking about the uh, like the scores and stuff or we're thinking about uh, or even in my case like i think about uh, a lot of the things that that i haven't gotten done or some issues that i'm struggling with well what do we do when we are distracted by prayer and when we pray and we have distractions does that mean our prayer is the prayer that we just prayed is useless do we got to start all, all over again I think uh, St. Teresa of Avila has a great example of this. Um, she always mentioned attention as a crazy lady of the house. And uh, I, I mean, of course, it, it's a very weird situation where she put it in, but she explains it in a way that, you know, when you're doing a prayer, that attention has to get up and do something else. But that's when you grab her and you say, you know what? It's your time to sit with the Lord. And she gets up again. No, it's your time to sit with the Lord. Of course, um, we have to always be careful to look her or to see her. If she gets up, get your attention back. If she's going somewhere else, get the attention back and always uh, tell her, you know what? It's my time with the Lord. It's your time with the Lord. Now let's sit and let, let's, let's talk to, to the Lord. This is the only thing you have to do right now. I think I've heard of that before. That's very good. I think, too, just on a basic psychological level, when we have thoughts that come into our minds, maybe the best thing we can do is to just let it play out. Let the thought play out, and then it's done. And if you, Because if you keep trying to, for certain thoughts, trying to just make it go away, and you just keep going back into silence, or you keep saying a word like Jesus, 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 to kind of make the thought go away, and it doesn't, it's probably because it's not going to, because it's something that you want to think about so you think about it and you let it do its thing and then it's out of your mind and you're done with it like the thing you don't want to do though (laughs) that you have to pay attention to is like all right i thought that thought but then okay here's the next thought like you have to eventually at some point stop thinking the thoughts and go okay it's time to it's time to stop now and do like saint Teresa of avila does is like all right i'm going to pull you down with me and we're going to sit with jesus together but some thoughts you just have to let play out yeah i mean i would agree that like to the to i guess uh if there's any thought that we don't allow playoff is play out it's like any like kind of like lustful thought or yeah like that. <laughs> like that goes without saying but of course it's like any type of thought like that oh yeah you get away from that thought as quickly as possible yeah. but when it comes to the mundane mm-hmm. that's what i think you're talking about when it comes yeah, to the mundane, mundane thoughts like, what am stuff. i gonna have for dinner well yeah. i know that mom's cooking like chicken and rice so i'm gonna have chicken and rice okay the thoughts are done or what am i gonna have for dinner well i know that i looked at the lunch menu today for seminary so we're gonna have chicken and rice yeah yeah and, and like you can even turn that into a prayer like chicken and rice think about the goodness of chicken and yeah, rice i love chicken and, and rice jesus yeah. that's gonna be great baby it's, it's, so gonna, be, it's gonna be great jesus it's, like, it's gonna taste good and uh, you know what like you know what else is good you were good jesus and i know you you like you cook some chicken and rice back in your day like, <laughs> like, like uh, you cook some fish and stuff that's in the gospel too lord it's, uh, it's like uh, it's, uh, so i mean and you I'm, I'm sure you like food jesus and stuff and then you can think about oh they the this you can think about the dynamic of his the second person uh, i mean the of his human nature and next thing you know you're kind of contemplating god through the mundane because just like just like what oscar was saying before like god speaks us through other people i mean seth said that as well but like god speaks us through the every day of our lives but yeah to second to justin's second part about like is it not prayer when we do have those thoughts and we start thinking those thoughts and like half of the half of our holy hour of 30 minutes is us thinking about like i don't know the paper we have to write for seminary or, or whatever, like 
No, because Justin made a great example. Like, you can turn that into a prayer, like a chicken and rice thing. Like, Jesus made chicken and rice, baby. It was great. Like, I'm going to eat that chicken and rice later. It's going to be awesome. Me and you, Jesus, we're going to eat that chicken and rice together. Like, you start thinking about the papers. Like, all right, I don't really want to write this paper, Jesus. And then you just start talking about the paper. Like, I need to do X, Y, Z. I need to do the research. I got to go to the library. I do this, blah, 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 blah. And then you start thinking, well, you know, this is kind of like a cross. Like, I'm going to offer this up to you, Jesus, in this holy hour. And, and, all right, I've thought about it. I've done it. All right, cool. Like, now I'm going to go back to my Lexio Divina, my rosary, whatever the, whatever it was I was doing. And then lastly, to kind of wrap up that end, um, the second question I had is, is if we can, if we, so I can just dive in on this like quickly. Uh, what do we do when we pray and nothing happens? I mean, that in and of itself is prayer. Like when we sit there in the chapel and nothing is happening, like uh, Brent had mentioned with the, Mother Teresa, like, she probably went to the chapel and nothing happened. And she was probably crying her heart out because she had to take care of all those people, all those dying people. Like, she was seeing suffering every day. And I'm sure she would have loved to have some consolation, just like Jesus would have loved to have some consolation from the Father on the cross. But you just, you offer that up, and it's your prayer. Like, if nothing's happening, you just sit there doing what you're doing, and you don't feel anything, that's fine, because prayer is not about feelings. Like we don't pray to feel good. We pray because we want to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ, like we've said before. Exactly. And I think it's it's uh, coming back to the hope that we have on the Lord. If nothing hap- if nothing is happening, just know that it's for something good. Trust in the Lord. Trust that something's going to happen. Maybe you're not going to be able to see it. Maybe you're not going to be able to experience it. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, and I think, yeah, Oscar, you mentioned, you know, something great as far as, you know, trust. Um, and that's ultimately, that's that's what the Lord wants from us. Like, if we don't feel that anything is happening, you know, within our prayer life, if we feel, you know, it's dry, um, you know, to just trust him in that process. And yeah, I think that's a, a good note, to, a, a good uh, ending note to wrap up that part of it. I think some, a, lot, a lot of good things have been said about that. And so now we can switch the gear into, again, the very fact that, of course, we are seminarians and we're training to become priests. And is that what we're here for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of us can be monks. I don't want to be a monk. Well, we already had a monk here and he says no. So I think I'll go with him and no. (laughs) (laughs) But but of course, like we're training to become priests and we're not going to get anywhere towards the priesthood if we don't pray. And even if we manage to make it to the priesthood, we get ordained and we make it to be a priest without really praying all that much during seminary, we're going to have a bad time when it comes to like our priesthood and everything. Because I mean, people going to, because you're going to be marked as a man of prayer, a man of God. And if, if you are not praying, like as a seminary, you're not praying as a priest. Then it seems I would feel kind of like a fraud. Yeah, I mean, and and it goes back to I mean to building the relationship with God or the relationship with the Holy Trinity. How can I introduce you know the lady in the parish to 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 our Lord if I don't even have the relationship with the Lord? So I cannot give something that I don't have. And through prayer, it's building up that relationship in order for me to. Uh, hopefully to to show it to other people in order for them to have that relationship with the lord i mean and really what does a priest what does a priest do like 
okay, he man- he manages the the parish. Okay, yeah, he's got some finance stuff he has to deal with. He 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 celebrates mass. He does confirmations if the bishop can't do them. He does baptisms. He does he does the sacrament stuff, right? He's not a sacrament machine, but that is part of what he does. I'm like, what else does he do? Like, he should be praying. Like, he doesn't he doesn't have that much stuff to do. Like, when he doesn't. When he doesn't, yeah. When he's not doing mass and he's not doing the other sacraments and he's not doing finance stuff and he's not going making house calls and anointing people and visiting with people, he should be praying. Maybe not like 20 hours a day or whatever because he's not a monk, but he should stop and pray. And if sometimes he is too busy because he's got to do mass and he's got to do confessions and then he's got to go meeting with people and then he's got to make a house call and he's got to do X, Y, Z. And he only may have 10 minutes to pray. But as long as he makes that 10 minutes to pray, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Because his job is to pray, and he should always be praying in some form or fashion. And I think now, I mean, yes, we're not going to be monks. We're going to be diocesan priests. Uh, I think we're in a good place, at least here in St. Mandred, because we're around uh, Benedictine, monast- uh, Benedictine monks. And, you know, the rule of them, uh, and basically their charism, it's uh, orat and labora, uh, work and pray, which um, it kind of helps us to kind of give a, a balance, of course, I have to do all this uh, uh, work, you know, like working, do paperwork, uh, do all all these sacraments. But at the same time, prayer it's an important part of of the uh, of your work. So both of them, it's not that they are different. It's just that you have to put them together. Especially as a priest, you have to be able to work. Of course, maybe you you do mass in the morning, but you do a holy hour extra early in the morning. Um, you have to do uh, liturgy hours. Hopefully, all the priests do liturgy hours. Um, and of course, you have to have those meetings with the parishioners. Uh, you have to probably get involved with the community too. Um, but you need to, I mean, at least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers, we have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. Yeah. Um you know something that I don't think we've you know talked too too much uh, upon is I know prayer you know also you know helps us you know against um, you know temptation and yeah as Justin said when we're priests uh, we're going to be marked <laughs> um, basically by the devil because the devil exists Satan exists even though the world will tell you that he doesn't exist well he does um, and so yeah we need to be on guard and even. You know, if you look at you know at the the prayer of our Father, you know, um, you know, you know, deli- no, deliver us, you know, from evil. Um, you know, as priests, I said, you know, priests are marked, and they need to be, like, you know, they need to be vigilant, and they need to have that life of prayer because it's so important. Like, they need, we need, everybody needs that protection mm-hmm. because yeah, there is someone out, you know, to get us. You know, because you know Satan doesn't want us to succeed, and I think that's a, a even during um, our liturgy the hours for for um, for night prayer on Sundays we do have that that uh, reading. You know, uh, you will not need lights because the Lord is going to give you light, and that light it's through prayer. And of course, the the devil it's roaring like a like a roaring lion around you, so you always need to have that conversation with the Lord. Of course, it's it's through that relationship that you need to build that you're going to be able to have a good conversation with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And prayer, definitely before we even get to the, 
position of being a priest in the diocese in the parish were, were first seminarians and definitely prayer not only plays a huge part crucial part in the life of the ordained priest but it also plays a role in the ongoing formation of the seminarian so i just kind of want to segue into tossing this next question out to you and that is how does what role does prayer play in my formation as a seminarian i think it, it plays a uh, it plays an important role of course uh you know we have all four dimensions and spirituality is one of the dimensions um and i mean every day we have mass here in the seminary we have to do liturgy the hours um we have uh holy hours and of course we have moments where we do our uh, our own devotionals and i think that plays an important role in order for us to of course we're gonna uh, we have to do papers we have to have we do have meetings we have classes but at least for me, that's a time where I am, I charge my battery. Like I run it out throughout the whole day and through those little times. And that's when I plug myself to the Lord and gain some extra energy to continue my day. And I think for even for, for a seminarian and for a priest, that should be a time where you charge yourself with the Lord, where you gain your, your, your energy and your trust and your hope and, and you know, your relationship. And really, like seminary, that's the that's the place where you learn how to pray. And we're gonna take this into our priesthood. Like we're we're already gonna know, you know, how to pray, um, which is so important. So like, and you know, seminary within that aspect of um, um, you know, spiritual formation, um, which is key um, to uh, um, you know foster that. Um, those 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 practices because those practices of your prayer life are going to flow into your your priesthood. And Justin, you had said earlier too that like the priest who doesn't pray, like he's he's not going to be doing a very good job at anything. It's the same thing with a seminarian. The seminarian who doesn't pray is not going to be doing a good job at anything because you need prayer in the seminary. Like trust me, when you got like three papers due on the same day and you got a test next week, like you're freaking out, man. Like you got to turn to Jesus and like Oscar said, you got to go get recharge your batteries because. Sometimes it just ain't going to cut it. And even, too, just on the pastoral side of things, too, because we do have pastoral assignments here. Like, sometimes we we have to go to the hospital and we have to see dying people. Like, you can't just, like, do that and not go pray, like, after you've done that because you're exhausted after you've seen somebody in hospice and they are actively, like, almost dying right there in front of you. Like, that takes a lot out of anybody, and you definitely need prayer in that moment. And I think, you know, even St. Teresa of Avila, going back to St. Teresa of Avila, uh, she mentions that a way for us to, to prove that we're praying or, or the mark that we show that we are prayerful people, it's love. And I think even even with pastoral, with our pastoral assignment, uh, we express that we prayed by loving, well, by loving and caring for those who are ministering, who are, who are we going to pastor in, in this time. Yeah, and even to piggyback off of what Seth said, like, I mean, even when, I mean, of course, like when when things are going crazy in seminary, you need prayer. But I, I would even add for my own life, even when I'm getting all the practical things done in seminary and getting everything else done, 
let's say even to the expense of prayer in my prayer life, like when I'm not praying the liturgy, the hours, things are just things overall just seem dry and kind of empty of meaning when I'm like getting everything else done, but I'm not praying to God. I keep thinking, why am I here? Like if I'm not here to build a relationship with God. And one of the things that I do build that relationship with God, I rely on crucially is the praying is the daily praying of the liturgy, the hours that we do here in the seminary. Again, and all seminarians pray um, the liturgy, the hours every, like every day. And that's one of the things a, a, a man coming into seminary is going to encounter. Maybe even for the first time is the liturgy, the hours. So quickly, like what is the liturgy, the hours and what can a seminary expect in regards to it when, when he comes to seminary? So a lot of people don't know this, but the church has two liturgies. The Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours. It's right there in the name, boys and girls. But yeah, so the Liturgy of the Hours is, it's the tradition goes back to actually Jesus' time, and even before that, to the synagogues of the, 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 after the Second Temple period. Because what they would do is, what the Jews would do, they would go into the temple and they would pray the Psalms, and they would sing the Psalms. So the Christians, who were first Jews first, and they became Christians, they continued that tradition of praying the Psalms. And so they would pray the Psalms, all 150 of them. And eventually when the uh, monasteries developed, they continued to pray the Psalms, all 150 of them. And then it eventually got broken down into like a five-week period, so on and so forth. Basically, what four-week period, my producer, Nanzo, is holding up four fingers. So yeah, it eventually, it, it developed into what it is today, where we pray the Psalms, priests, religious, seminarians, even, even the Pope, he, he prays the Liturgy of the Hours, and they are actually required to do so under penalty of sin, I believe. I'm getting head nod, so I am yeah. correct in my ex, uh, my yeah. thinking. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> and don't worry, you do not have to learn all fifty psalms. We have oh, yeah. a, we we actually have a book called the Breviary, mm -hmm. where it follows the the weeks and it follows cer certain festivities, and it guides us through all those psalms. And it has about five ribbons in it, and it's very confusing, but over time, you really do get used to it, and it really becomes fruitful in your prayer, because it, it, it reminds you, okay, like, I got to do office of readings, like, before I go to morning prayer, all right, it's morning prayer, all right, at some point I have to do daytime prayer, and it just kind of refocuses you on what you're supposed to be doing, which is praying. Yeah, another word for, like, uh, Oscar brought up another word that we use for liturgy, I was just call, also called brevery. So bravery, liturgy, the hours. Also, when you go into a store, divine office, yeah, too. divine office. You go into a a Catholic st store, you see like a, a book that just says Christian prayer. Again, those it's all interchangeable in what we call the liturgy, the hours. Yeah, I was kind of laughing when Seth when you were talking because you said, "Oh, I got to make sure I I do my." Uh, uh, before I do my morning prayer, I got <laughs> Sometimes I I get to, I do my morning prayer before I do, <laughs> do the first prayer because sometimes your morning is just crazy, especially when you're outside of the seminary. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um. So sometimes, yeah, you might be doing like morning and daytime prayers at hours of the day you might not think. Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay at one when you come right now. Those who are listening and are interested in going into seminary. You know, if you don't know it, that's okay. That's fine. Once you enter seminary, they'll teach you how to use the the breviary, which is the actual book, uh, to do the liturgy, the hours, and you'll have communion. It, it's a prayer of community. It's a prayer of the church. 
And so too, just something else I want to mention is that in one of the statistics that I've read on an article some time ago, and one of, the, and one of my priests actually told me when I was taking RCIA was that most of the priests who have caused scandal in the church, they had stopped praying the Liturgy of the Hours. So there is something very important about praying the Liturgy of the Hours for both priests and seminarians. And uh, another good thing, another good kind of factoid about the Liturgy of the Hours is, again, we, we haven't mentioned deacons and stuff. And so your permanent deacon at the church is praying the Liturgy of the Hours. He has the same obligation as the priest and religious of praying the Liturgy of the Hours. And um, now, of course, like when it comes to the obligation of praying the Liturgy of the Hours, it's helpful, it's helpful to also understand a guy coming into the seminary, he doesn't have the same obligation to pray the Liturgy of the Hours in the same way a priest does under the penalty of sin or a deacon does under the penalty of, of sin because he's simply not a clergy member because when a priest or a deacon, when they are ordained, they promise to pray the liturgy of the hours for the sake of the church. And it's helpful to, to also say that the liturgy of the hours is the prayer of the church for the church. And so it's a prayer that we always pray for the church, um, and is a is a great way to sanctify the entire day. Because you have more, you have office of readings and morning prayer. We usually pray in, in the early hours of the day. Then you have daytime prayer, then then it's evening prayer. Then you have compline, also known as night prayer. And so, and the of course you could like pray all of it in one day. All, all of it in, in, an hour, in an hour and 30 minutes and stuff. But of course, I think that doesn't get at the point of the Liturgy of the Hours, which is really to sanctify the entire day, to give the whole day back to God, because God who, who's given us a day in the first place, to give everything back to God and sanctify the entire day. And I think even taking those times, uh, you know, not doing it in a whole hour, but taking your time and, you know, doing it at certain hours, it actually shows a commitment and a uh, of the person because you're taking your time to do them at certain, at certain uh, hours of the day. Uh, and of course that, that takes a lot of habits to do that. It takes a, a long time to do it. Uh, and of course uh, we, we as a seminarians, we, we, we are called to do it, but even the church, even if you're not in seminary, you are called to do it because it's uh, you're praying with the church and you're praying with, you know, you're, if you're doing morning prayer, that means that you're doing it with the Pope. You're doing it with uh, someone in China, with someone in, in Africa. So it's all one, it's all one prayer. Yeah. And, and, and it's also helpful to understand, like, with, it, it can be the case, like in mass, like, like large portions of the church are having the same readings and are have or praying the same prayers at mass all across the world in different languages is also very, it's also similar with the liturgy of the hours. Like, again, just like what Oscar said, like you can be praying, you, you often praying the exact same prayers for that day that somebody in China is praying and stuff. And so it shows the universality with the church and the communion with the other members of the body of Christ. And I wanted to say like uh, uh, one, one thing in case I forget it, uh, especially Vatican two called for lay people to actually say the liturgy hours as well and especially if it was possible like in like uh, for churches to have like the principal hours of morning prayer and evening prayer to happen in their churches and the priests and the clergy invite the lady to say communally the liturgy of the hours because that's the that's the way the the liturgy of the hours is like ideally supposed to be said is communally with the other members of the body of christ and so it's not just something for priests and religious and deacons 
lay people can get in on this as well and they should be getting in on this as well and 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 a and a if we don't and, and like a great like kind of leeway into the liturgy of the hours if you don't have the book or like the, the book and the ribbon system are complicated a, a helpful a helpful um um app to actually pray the liturgy of the hours is the iBrevery app and so you download this app and you and it has all every day it has all the prayers listed out for you to get each day and so you can kind of even learn the very systems of the of the liturgy of the hours the, the the structure of the out just by praying the the iBrevery app and it has that listed out for you. Before we close, because uh, I think we're about to wrap up, there's one thing I want to say. Oscar's been uh, giving Saint Teresa his girl like all the rep over here, and like I want to give my girl Joan of Arc a little bit of rep. So you know, she said, "I was born to do this, and we are all born to pray." Now her context was a little different because she was born to save France, you know. But hey. I'm taking her quote and I'm using it for us. We are born to do this. We are born to pray. The way to perfection and going to the interior castle. I think we're going to have a throwdown between the saints over here. Shots fired. <laughs> well, I'm going to take my woman, St. Faustina. And for what I've been saying is, yeah, just um, if you're having a tough time, you know, with your prayer life. Just, you know, like, like what I said, just trust, trust in God and just trust the process because um, that's what he wants. He, he wants your trust, and that's how he'll be able to work in you is through that trust. Yeah, and before things get the get, uh, people start laying down the smackdown when it comes to like their ladies and stuff and the saints and stuff, I guess to be a great moment to end it before things pop off. So again, thank you for jo- joining us for this episode of the Nas Vocations Nas Vocations podcast, and it's been about prayer and we and, and and to know that again, we pray for you as well. We we always pray for you every day. We remember you in the diocese of Nashville. Uh, through through the liturgy of the hours, so we pray for you, and hopefully we we at, we can pray for us as well as we continue to, continue to go on in our formations as priests. Thank you, and see you on the flip side, boys and girls. All right, see ya. <laughs>